dude what's up everybody coming to you live from my parents house we got episode 13 of the changavi after show coming to you live from the childhood bedroom from the floor of studio one direct and ready to go hope y'all are doing well um again after show vibes so you know gotta have the lights on i gotta have the ring light on be on the floor can't talk to you guys just casually have casual conversation maybe might go off the rails i don't know yet um that will be for time to tell but again um hope i bet you all are doing amazing um because the chain gang is here and ready to listen to me just ramble on for 40 minutes or however long this goes uh but yeah after show and we got a lot of interesting topics to get into today just a lot of various things that honestly i've been thinking about the last week uh they range from slightly emotional to uh very whack and off the rails and i fully intend on edge not educating because this show isn't meant to educate but i fully intend on what was that what the fuck was that i just had like a anxious gulp of air wow that was weird but i fully intend on just like shooting the shit talking with you guys having fun because this is what we do on the show uh you know who else gets to sit on their bedroom floor on monday night and rant to the world about what is going on in their lives me i get to do it so let's do it because ladies and gentlemen listen two years ago was do you know where we were two years ago this is kind of crazy do you know where we were in march of 2020 i'm sure all of you do yeah COVID had just become a thing in March of 2020. And this was like March 14th, which is today, was around the point when like everything was really starting to shut down. So I'm talking schools, work, most work was going work from home. Pretty much everything that you can possibly think of was sort of shifting online. Uh, in whatever capacity that you were involved in, you were definitely affected by COVID in some some way, shape, or form. It was uh, definitely affecting your place of business or um not even your place of business but uh where you go to school whatever uh for me i was in college two years ago uh, i've told this story trillions of times what the fuck is wrong with me i've told this story uh trillions of times but i'm not going i'm not going to tell it again because i think that's pointless and i can link you to the 500 times that i've milked the covid my covid story for for content so uh we're not going to do that but Honestly, I feel like this is the time of year, I feel every year that I'm just going to wonder, like what if what if the pandemic hadn't happened? Like it's just that crazy what if question of like how would have relationships developed? How would um my place in society be different? How would my place in society potentially be different? Would I or like the same? Would I still would I be here today in March of 2022? talking from the floor i don't i don't know the thing is i have no idea about any of that which is the craziest part and i don't think anybody can answer that question and it's just it's one of those times of the year that i'm always thinking about like what could have been not in like a bad toxic way of like oh my god if things had gone a certain way and the pandemic hadn't happened my life would be you know drastically different and i would be ahead in so many areas of my life and all of these things not really not particularly. I don't really think of it like that. I think of it more of like, uh, that was kind of the last day, March 14th or whenever, I think it was March 13th or whatever, mid-March 
last time I was ever involved in like an institution of the traditional sense uh, of like going to college. And obviously that'll sort of change. I think, uh, especially with my upcoming plans in August, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be back uh, at that point, but two years, I got a two year break from the traditional school system, the traditional college system, the traditional thing that a 20, you know, one year old kid like myself is supposed to be in. And it was the best thing to ever happen. It was the best thing to ever happen. It was, it's rough, but it was also the best thing to ever happen. Um, I learned so much in so many different areas because of what happened two years ago. Uh, not only emotionally, I feel like physically or not physically, but like emotionally I've grown. I feel like mentally I've become a slightly better person. Uh, even though people in my life tell me not, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I feel like I've, I've become more self-aware and I feel like I don't give a fuck anymore because two years ago I gave so many shits. This was the problem. Like I've always felt like my whole life I've let other people's opinions dictate where I go. I was never confident in myself. I still have confidence issues. It's not like I'm some overconfident beast at this point in time. Maybe one day I'll get to that point and y'all can call me out on my bullshit or whatever. But at this point, two years ago, like every single decision I made, I would question. I would question 80 million times. I would be like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I talked a little bit about my anxiety on the show. This was kind of that was kind of happening around this point. Um or not on the show a couple weeks ago or last week. Um and so there was a lot of shit going on two years ago that I think today like I have rectified a lot of those issues and I've had time to like self-reflect and really figure out like where I want to go and what I want to do. And two years ago, I think that me would have been proud of where I'm at right now. Um, you know, there are a lot of college kids. I, I've had a lot of friends of mine who've like looked at me and been like, dude, what are you doing with your life? Like not in those words, not I'm paraphrasing of course, but like I've had a lot of people in college that are like, what are you doing? You're at home. You're not going to school. You're not going to get a job like the rest of us in two years. Uh, what what's up? Like, what are you okay? Like people, people have genuinely like asked me questions of that sort. And I've told them like, I'm great. I'm great. Like, yes, I live at home. Is that exactly where I want to be right now at 21? Probably not. You know, when I was 18, I probably would have told you, but 21, I'm going to be living in a studio apartment in Los Angeles overlooking the fucking Hollywood sign. And, and like, I'm going to know like 18 models and I'm just going to be a fucking shit. I, that's what I thought I was. That's what I thought I would be when I was 21. Right. I thought I'd be a successful writer. Fucking dropped out of school at that point. Um, and just, killing it in the world but i'm 21 i live in my i live with my parents i um am working on my show i'm working on building this up i'm working on building a social media career up at some point hopefully and that's where i'm at and maybe two years from now two years from when this video is formed what do you say four years ago the begin like the beginning of the pandemic was four years ago. Holy shit. Maybe I'll be at a different place in life. That's I mean, that is life. Life changes, life moves on. But I feel like the pandemic really exacerbated a lot of change that was happening in my life and really brought it to the forefront um for the first time. You know, it's tough because I feel like I never got a I never got a good closure as to my first college experience, right? Because you met so many people. Um and you thought you were going to be back in three months. That was the mentality back then. It was like, oh shit, it's just going to be like a worst case extended summer break. Like we'll see everybody in the fall 
And yeah. And like, I didn't really get to say goodbye to a lot of like the people in that chapter of my life that were very important. I haven't seen those people in probably two and a half years. All of them, all of them. I haven't seen for almost three years or sorry, not three years, almost two years, two years. I haven't seen them. I haven't physically seen them. Some of them, all of actually, I haven't seen all of them, any of them. I haven't physically seen any of them. I've seen a few on FaceTime and phone calls and all that. That definitely happens, but physically haven't seen them. I don't really, I'm not really particularly super updated on what's going on. Like everyone's busy. Everyone's got their own lives. I don't blame anybody in that case, but it's fucking insane that it's been two years. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I've kind of shifted one way in terms of my life direction. In the in a lot of ways, I feel like I've gone forward. And in a lot of other ways, I feel like I've gone backward. But I feel like that's what the pandemic did for everybody is it moved people forward in a lot of different areas and it moved people backward in a lot of different areas. And, you know, figuring out like where you lie right now is is what <laughs> I guess the real the real essential question to throw that pun out there. But it's been it's been two years, man, since since that day. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it's. I just, I don't like, I think it just hits different for college kids in particular because we were the ones, like, a lot of us were mass flying across the country, uh, mass flying from city to city, trying to basically just like get out and get back home as fast as possible. Um, mass confusion as to what was going on. I was pretty disconnected from the news at that point in my life. So, like, I didn't really have like a good grasp as to what was going on in the world. So I thought the virus was very overhyped. I was thinking of it like it would be I was equating coronavirus at that point to being something along the lines of like Ebola. Um, and I was like all over the place there and everywhere. And it was just like pandemic was like last thing from my mind. And, you know, here we are. Here we are. And I feel like I feel like I'm what's weird about my situation is I'm like one of the last ones who's stuck in the pandemic. Right. A lot of my friends left quarantine. They went back to school they've you know met a lot of they've probably moved on with their lives their new apartments they're upperclassmen in college they're you know almost done lost some of them are even graduating this particular year you know just doing amazing stuff getting job offers all of these things i like almost went back where i went to college for a year came back for two and I basically tacked a year on to my college experience. I'm going to graduate in technically five years instead of four, uh, like I had probably previously planned. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy uh, to think about like where life has gone the last two years. And it's <laughs> when you, when you look at it from, from a certain standpoint, it's like, it's pretty freaking insane. I just, I can't even believe uh, where I'm at. But in and in, like that's the thing is like it's all in the best ways. It's not in like I can't like oh my gosh like fuck like I can't not believe where I'm at. Like it's it's literally like wow like this is this is so unexpected but so like expected in a lot of ways and and I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunities that I've had and just the people that I've been able to strengthen relationships with in the last two years, but also the relationships that have. Uh, kind of dwindled over the last two years for various circumstances. Um, I'm grateful for the lessons that I learned in those relationships. I'm grateful for the lessons that I continue to learn in the relationships I'm in now. 
um, whether that be in a, in a friendship or a family context or whatever, it's, it's a new, it's, it's new and it's very, uh, it's, it's a chaotic world <laughs> is what I'll say. I'll say when you get older, things just become more complicated. You start thinking more with your head than you do with your heart. And I think that can definitely cloud a lot of decisions, but that's enough. Okay. This topic is getting too emotional. What the fuck is this? It's supposed to be an after show. We're supposed to have fun. That's not fun. I don't want to just like be a simp all day, but a lot of people have been telling me like, uh, you know, when they DM me and stuff and I'm so grateful to receive DMs from people saying like a like what you're doing is awesome. Like, thank you so much, uh, for putting whatever X, Y, Z clip out, like keep fucking going. Like you're really killing it in this industry. Uh, you know, I get so many kind messages from like friends of mine, um, you know, throughout the, throughout the months. And I don't even mean to say that as like a brag. It's just like, people are people are sweet and when they see some good stuff and i guess stuff that connects to them they they comment or they talk about it with me and i I really do appreciate that like genuinely i appreciate the fact when like a friend comes up to me like smiling or laughing like oh you made my day with that clip like that that makes my day more than pretty much anyone would ever know and they're like dude i admire you for your work ethic and that comment always like when someone comments on my work ethic I feel shitty for some reason. Um, And I was like, why do I feel this way? And then I was thinking about it the other day. And really, it's because I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. Like, honestly, at heart, throughout my life, I'm the biggest fucking quitter I know. You know, I've probably cost my parents a shit ton of money in in extracurriculars because I thought I was going to do something and I told them I was going to commit to it and then I quit. And then I quit. Like I'm, I'm the biggest quitter. You, you name every activity I ever took on in life. Nothing stuck. Sports quit. Tennis quit. Tennis is a sport, but you get the idea. Taekwondo quit. Saxophone quit. French horn quit. Speech and debate quit. Mock trial quit. The list goes on. The blog quit. Writing quit education is a potential career path quit i'm the biggest fucking quitter i know i quit that's the thing man i've gotten to the point in my life where i quit so much that i almost never i i can't quit if i quit this i'll look like the biggest fucking idiot on the planet i can't quit because i quit all the time that's my default i'm like when shit gets hard or like when i stop enjoying something i'm like i gotta quit I got to just, you know, fuck this. Like I, but I get the point where it's like, yo, when you stop enjoying something like that's, that's definitely a a sign to, to try something new. But I also am the type of person when like shit gets a little hard, I quit. I, or I was that type of person. I feel like I've changed a lot since the last activity that I quit. Um, but you know, I, I've just, I feel like I've defined myself for so long by being this quitter. I've always felt like I was a quitter. And when someone says like you work so hard and your work ethic is there, you can do it. I don't feel that. I've never felt that because I've always felt like I'm a fucking quitter because I felt like the kid in fifth. I felt like I still feel like a nude from 2013 who dropped the alto saxophone because it was just too boring and didn't take into account that, you know, his mom and dad probably dropped a good amount of money renting that thing 
and just wanted you to be happy and you just quit because you weren't happy. You, you quit because you personally didn't want to do something, right? Maybe I go back to me in Taekwondo where when push-ups got a little hard, I just said, I can't do it and I'm going to quit and never show up, right? I just, that's my thing, man. That's where I go with this podcast. That's where I sit here. That's why I sit here today and talk to you guys about it because I quit for so often in my life. Every single activity I could possibly think of, I've, you know, shat the bed. Discipline-wise, I'm I'm a naturally extremely lazy person. You have it up to me. All I would do all day is sit in bed with popcorn and Cheez-Its, watch movies, and I would be perfectly content. I would be perfectly fucking content if that was my life. But also, I have this innate drive in me to do something. I need to do something, but I'm a huge slacker. And so I have days where I completely slack off and I lie in bed or I lie on the couch in my pajamas and don't do jack and just watch a bunch of TV. And then I have days where I'm like, I need to be hyper productive and get stuff done from five o'clock in the morning to the time my head hits the pillow at whatever time that may be. I, but honestly, like I'm in this stage of life where I'm like, I, I can't quit anymore. I've quit too much to the point where I feel like my natural instinct is to quit. And I'm self-aware enough to be like, yo, you shouldn't quit when stuff gets hard. And I do give myself a lot of credit um, for for sticking with it, for sticking with this, because I could have very well quit when, you know, the first when the first four episodes started of the Changabi show started getting single digit views. When my view counts just took a rock bottom after shifting, um, you know, I could have quit before I even got on TikTok. I could have quit. I could have quit so many points, but I haven't yet. And I listen, listen. It's still very, very early in this journey. <laughs> I, I really, I just, I feel like I'm at the point in my life where I need to prove to myself that I'm not a quitter. And the way to do that is to see this thing all the way through. I cannot, if I ever like quit this, like I could never live with that regret because I've quit so many things and I wonder, I'm like, oh, like maybe I just quit because it was hard. And I have that experience in me and it's like, I, there's Anything that I put my mind to from now on, from like, I said this from like pretty much the age of 19, anything I put my mind to, I'm just going to stick. I'm going to stick with it. If I want, oh, you want a creative career? I'm going to stick with that for the rest of my life. I'm going to be 75 in a fucking vegetative state in coma. And I could just be like, nah, like, I don't care. I'm not going to quit. That is my mentality that I have now is I've quit so many times. I'm such a natural quitter to the point where now I'm just like, I cannot, if I do quit, I just, I look like a fucking idiot. I can't do that anymore. And so I have this weird kind of thought process where it's like, I've quit so much that I will never quit again. And that's pretty much how I feel in regards to quitting and in regards to everything in that sense. Um, yeah, but naturally, but like when people comment and they say those things, like I, you have the work ethic, you have the discipline. I really just want to respond back. Like, no, I don't. In reality, what I do have is this inquisitive curiosity and intense enthusiasm for like two months, uh, usually like intense enthusiasm for a while. And then I lose track because I move on. I moved on to the next thing or shit got really hard and I decided that I just needed a break from it. And I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I'm at the stage of life where I'm like, yo, I cannot revert back to quitting anymore. 
if this thing goes to shit, we go to shit with it. I need to see this through. I need to make sure I see this Chengavi show all the way through. Chengavi show is Central Question Podcast, my podcasting career, my career of talking in front of the camera all the way through to the very end. Whatever the end that may be, um, I just need to see it through. It needs to. I can't give up because it's hard. It's fucking bullshit. I did that too many times before in my life. Piano, French horn, taekwondo. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Nah. Nah. Okay. Enough about me quitting stuff and uh, reflecting on life and all that. Listen, I'm going to be more selfish. It's weird because I'm in this weird stage where it's like I'm re- I'm starting to realize the people that watch my content and it's just like it's it's this thing that's in the back of your head but it's not really because you think like oh I'm fucking just me and it's nothing's going to happen and blah 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 but my teachers watch this <laughs> I don't know if any of you like follow your teachers on Instagram or on Facebook or any of these things because you know you were you had great teachers in high school and fantastic um, faculty that you just wanted to keep in touch with throughout your life. And I went ahead and obviously like friended all my favorite teachers from high school and you know occasionally they'll message me on my birthday and whatnot. But they also friend me. They're also like my Facebook friends and my Instagram and they follow me on Instagram and. I get so worried sometimes because I literally put up like TikToks that are like, fuck high school, fuck college. I hate the system. Let me just be a punk rocker and a goth king and just fucking, right? Like, I feel so bad. I feel so bad because they, what these teachers know me as, what most of my teachers know me as, professors, teachers, whoever may see this, what they know me as is they know me as the fucking kid who is just this like the sweet kid who would answer the questions and be like uh, miss richie is there more homework or like what am i supposed to do for an analyzing qpa on page 78 of huckleberry finn like that's what they think i am that's what miss richie thinks i am shout out to miss richie by the way mr davy thinks i'm just the the historic the history bowl kid that just sat in his class and was kind of nerdy right they don't they don't see this unfiltered side of me where i'm just like fuck you fuck you every sentence right but now they do now they could very well see every single episode they have access to it they watch i'm sure some of them have seen my tiktok clips some of them have commented and stuff and i feel bad i feel bad i feel like the image of myself is being destroyed right like they're probably like oh my god what is this who's this beast we've uh taught like he's a terror like he's just terrorizing the internet what like what do we do what have we done i'm just like wow I, I that just shocks me like I, sometimes when i'm just like put my like when i think about it of like my teachers watch this i'm like oh god i need to be more professional like like this after show can be like really re- well researched and like i don't know what to say because they're gonna get mad at me like I, I don't know i just i feel really weird uh when i think about who watches this and so like my mentality when it's come to like building content is just like don't think about it <laughs> like don't fucking think because otherwise if i if i fucking think about who's watching my stuff i'm gonna get so in my head because like if i'm like if i say something wrong right in a a historical event or something when i'm explaining it on the changavi show and one of my history teachers is watching i'm like oh shit they could very well comment and be like actually anude you're just spitting opinion and you're wrong my history teachers have literally seen me post videos saying martin luther king is not a true hero that is wow 
like they they were probably like, yeah, we're canceling him from fucking our high school. This guy's an idiot. He's what did we what did we teach him in school? But I mean, I don't know. It's it's fun in a lot of ways because I think I think they see a new side of me and I think that's kind of cool um to like see who the person really is outside the classroom but also at the same time like yo my high school teachers must I hope hopefully they don't feel shitty uh that they've taught this kid who sits in a chair in his mom's basement according to Jen Peroloni on TikTok and uh gives basement commentary that's baseless and substanceless so whatever um that stupid gulp of air happened again. <laughs> but my teachers watch this. And if my teachers are watching this, I just want to say, uh, let me give you a little message real quick. Um, first of all, hi. I hope you all are doing well. Every single one of you, middle school, high school, elementary school, college, whoever, whatever level you're at. Um, I, I'm here. Hi, I'm Anuj. Um, yeah, this is my podcast. Um I hope that you guys enjoy it. This is the after show, so this is a little more unprofessional and stuff, and I swear a lot, and I'm very uh, unfiltered with my takes, but I hope that uh, I do I do use a lot of the skills, particularly that my high school teachers taught me to like outline my podcasts and like think through things in my head and critically think, so I really do respect um, all of them for teaching me my skills uh, that I have as a podcaster, and if I ever make it, it's because you guys taught me all the foundations. So yeah, moment of gratitude. Thank you, high school teachers. And now let's move the fuck on because nobody gives a shit about a nuge, okay? Can we just talk about something fucking different for once? Besides you, you're so fucking annoying, a nuge. Okay, fine. Can we talk about Deep and Shake? Have I talked to you guys about this? Have I talked to you? Listen. Love is Blind has been going hella viral on Netflix recently. Hella viral. And um, it was kind of a big thing during COVID season one. You know, the whole concept of like move, like couples meeting blindly rather than um, like in person, like your typical dating show where they just meet in person and it's all of them in a house and they're all horn dogged up and they just fuck each other a bunch until, you know, the last people are standing and they win $100,000, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's not this show. <laughs> love is blind is really different so basically like all the couples the men and the women are all separated they like go through different pods basically speed date find who their favorites are and then they pick their favorites um and you know they can either propose or you know become the girlfriend but they have to propose actually by the end to like their favorite person and they say yes and you know you, you kind of have like 90 days to sort of decide if this person is compatible uh, or not um with with your needs and they're on Love is Blind 2, of course, Netflix listens to the show and they were like, we need more Indian representation. And they were like, Anuj, we know you hate Never Have I Ever. Changavi show, P- Chang gang, we know you hate them. So you know what we're going to do? You know what we're going to do? We are going to bring in Indian people to Love is Blind, which is a white dating show for the most part. And they did. And they did. To their credit, they brought in two Indians, one man, one woman, Deepthi and Abhishek. Um, and they ended up being the talk of the season. So let's talk about Deepthi and Sheikh for a second, okay? So basically what ended up happening, I'm going to give you the long story short. Uh, Love is Blind spoilers in here. So if you're watching Love is Blind and you're actually taking the show seriously, like you're not supposed to, um, <laughs> feel free to 
fast forward through this part. But basically, Deepthi and Shake, they meet in the blind pods and they really connect over their Indian heritage and all of these various things that go on in their lives. And you find out that both of them have never dated an Indian girl. And so it's like, or an Indian person. And they're like, oh my God, Abhishek, the only person I've ever dated is like a blonde white dude. And Abhishek's like, yeah, bro. The only person I've ever dated, Deep D, is like blonde hair, blue eyes, fat ass, dude. And then they're like, oh my God, we have so much in common. Yeah. And then like Abhishek's like, will you marry me, Deep D? And he does this like very... uh so basically like they talk about in the pods so abhishek and deepthi when they were like blind dating were basically talking about how like indian culture is so fucked up that the man has to uh or the woman has to touch the feet of the man and it's like this you know patriarchal tradition which it is and so abhishek was like fuck that i'm gonna touch the feet of the woman and they have this makeout session and netflix zooms in on abhishek just like making out with her and then Literally five seconds after, he's like, I'm not physically attracted to Deeps. Like, she's she's a great person, but I'm not physically attracted to her. And everyone's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you were just grabbing her ass on national television, like, two days before. But okay, bro. And then, like, they go to Mexico, and they're all on all the Love is Blind cast is there. And then Abhishek gets a little, a little tipsy, and he starts talking to his co-cast uh, members. And he's like, bro, I don't think Deeps is that hot, dude. The only thing I see with Deep T is like she she looks like my aunt and she he starts saying like all these really fucked up things about deep d and the way she looks and deep d's not a bad looking human being like i and anyway like regardless you shouldn't be saying a woman looks like your aunt like particularly if it's someone you're gonna marry like red flag already uh and just red flag in general like you shouldn't be talking about women like that I, in my opinion he also said like a bunch of other suspect comments like there was this whole tension brewing and she didn't really know about it uh about his physical things and basically it all came to light at the end when Abhishek shake was like deep d i can't marry you because like i'm not physically attracted to you and then deep d's like okay deuces and then like that was the end um of the love is blind deep d and shake romance uh that just changed south asian representation forever um, but it, it's, it's been going around in the South Asian community. A lot of people have been talking about it. A lot of people have been like, Abhishek is, you know, just the classic brown boy. And that's such a negative representation for the South Asian community. And like, I saw this one guy go on TikTok to the extent of like, Abhishek is going to, uh, continue to like, or Abhishek or shake, which is what he calls himself. Shake is going to continue to, uh, uh, just haunt the minds of girls everywhere and they're gonna think that brown guys are all like him and all this shit first of all like bro i i love you but like nobody watches not that many people watch love is blind okay but second of all i think shake is actually a positive uh representation for the south asian community and let me explain why not in like the traditional sense of like he's such a good guy and like all brown boys should look up to him no fuck no if you look up to shake i'm like bro you let's not be friends he's just not a very good person uh and he like defended it on the reunion but that's besides the he defended like his whole all his actions on the reunion but that's not the point but abhishek is just this dude who what was i gonna say fuck i forgot um let me think let me think deep d look listen abhishek is like he's he's cool okay like in terms of the fact that like his 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 whole like villain arc is cool for the South Asian community in that 
it teaches i think it can also have the opposite effect of what people were thinking like oh everyone was like everyone's gonna think brown boys are like this that and the other nah i think brown boys can learn from Ubby shake i think brown boys are like oh that's what i look like fuck i shouldn't be looking like that because whether you like it or not there's probably more Ubby shakes out there than we'd like to think and i think that Ubby shake is almost a cautionary tale rather than he is bad representation and you need cautionary tales in every representation it doesn't matter if you're mexican doesn't matter if you're indian doesn't matter if you're uh guyanese doesn't matter if you're fucking brazilian you need caution there's cautionary tales in every culture and ubby shake is just the cautionary tale for the indian culture brown boys can look at ubby shake when they watch love is blind and be like oh shit like i should no no that's not the move that is not the move and they can look at deepthi and be like she's so nice and so patient and all of these things and what like we're you're treating like that guy is treating her like that like yo if that's how i look like it, it can lead to self-evaluation is my point um and i don't think shake is cool okay if, if that's what you're trying to tell me like i'm not gonna sit here and defend this guy because he's some brown boy because mostly he's just he kind of reminds me of a fucking tool um to be honest uh that being said, like I just don't like reality dating shows in general. So like Deep Thee can be like the nicest person. So like that's why like I just imitated her. Um and I don't know. Love is blind is stupid in my opinion. I think it's a dumb show. I think all love shows that are on TV are pretty stupid. It's in that category of like too hot to handle and are you the one and all these crappy shows, The Bachelorette. Um they're just not good. They're not good. And I think the shows in general put this wrong idea out there of like love uh and it, love has to look a certain way and you have to like uh get married and all of these things like love is i, I think like the way that love in modern society works is that love is so different love can be seen in a variety of different aspects love can be seen in a variety of different uh relationships love can be seen um in like different structures of marriage it doesn't have to all look the same and i feel like these dating shows almost do a disservice to love because they don't uh portray all of the elements of love you're not also you're also not forgetting uh also not forgetting the you know the lgbtq community and the lack of representation they have on these dating shows as well that being said deep the and shake People are calling them a terrible South Asian representation and that, oh my God, like brown boys everywhere are screwed for life because everyone's going to look at Abhishek Chatterjee and be like, that's what all brown men are like. We have to avoid a canceled, canceled, canceled. No one cares, bro. No one cares. The fact is maybe five, like maybe like... 2% of the population watches Love is Blind uh, seriously. And if you are a part of that 2%, I'm sorry, you're a red flag. <laughs> like, why Why would you watch Love is Blind seriously? It's a stupid-ass show. It's just like Indian matchmaking. Everyone was like, oh my god, this is such bad representation for the Indian culture. They're going to think we're such fools. I'm like, dude, 99% of people watched Indian matchmaking because it was a fucking joke. The other 1% were either A, uncultured white people from Des Moines, Iowa. Sorry, Des Moines, Iowa. I could have replaced any other white town, Anchorage, Alaska, etc. Uh, sorry to the town of Anchorage, by the way. Or B, people who are just stupid and think that that shit is real. You have to just sit here and be like, yo, half this shit is a joke, okay? 
It's stupid. Not everyone in the Prad from Indian matchmaking. A lot of people gave him shit, and like, yeah, deservedly so. He's kind of an ass and he's stupid. But like, dude, all these people are like, it's a reality show. Like, you can't take half of what they say seriously. Uh, it's all edited and it's all you know made to look a certain way and all of these things. So don't take yourself too seriously about South Asian representation being highly affected by Shake. Okay, this isn't. It's not going to make or break the game here. And I'm saying this as someone who studies South Asian representation uh, at a pretty extensive level. Abhi Shake is not going to break uh, South Asian representation, man. I, I, I'll tell you that much, especially for the boys. Okay, there are plenty of good brown boys out there. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm brown. Um, they, they're everywhere. They're really cool. And uh, and if you believe that every brown boy is like, I'll be shake, then maybe you shouldn't be with brown boys because they're not all like shake. Shake is a little fucking idiot. And that's all I'll say about I'll be shaking DP. Listen, we got quite a few more topics here. and I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. I've been I've been having a lot of moments of anxiety recently. Um and what does that mean, Anuj? What the fuck does that mean? Moments of anxiety. Of course, we all have moments of anxiety. Uh and I'm not here to talk about like my mental health or any of that cuz that was in the last episode. I guess I've been having like slight moments of anxiety in that I'm always worried about you guys. I'm always worried about the show. I'm always worried about the two people that have gotten to this point are listening to this part of the show. Um, I think as a content creator, you just have natural anxiety built within you. Like, am I on top of it? Am I following on about certain issues? Am I making content that's appropriate for everybody? Am I doing the certain things that I'm supposed to to keep up with appearances? of the podcast. I guess those are the moments of anxiety I'm feeling. But here's the thing. Those moments of anxiety, what I mean by that is like, I also study a lot of sad shit. Okay. With this podcast, like that's especially the Changabi show, not necessarily the after show. The after show is fun. You know, I get to sit here, shoot the shit, talk with you guys. The the Changavi show, it's, it's definitely mentally taxing because I mean, a lot of the world news segments are just negative. I really try to look for the positive side of things. Uh, I I know it hasn't been, it's been very hard recently with, you know, Ukraine and Russia and all of these, you know, really traumatic, terrible things happening. But there's a lot of, uh, I I really do try to look for the positive spin on things. I try to look for the positive side rather than just the negative, uh, you know, what makes your heart beat, what makes clicks go up and what makes things trend. Like I, you know, Ukraine and Russia is such a sad conflict when you look at it. And this week, not to spoil too much, but on the Changavi show, we're looking at, uh, well, I'm doing a topic on Yemen, uh, which is, my God, it is so fucking sad. It's one of the saddest stories I've covered um, so far on the show. I want you guys to listen to it because it is it is a story that absolutely everybody needs to know, but is also a story that just makes you want to pull your brains out because it's like, what are we doing? Like, what is happening? Why is the world this way? Um, But I think it's one that everybody needs to know. And that leads me to my next section, which is like moments of gratitude. See, I have those moments of anxiety where I'm just like so anxious about the state of the world uh, in that like I do like I like to think that like I know the world pretty good, you know, or pretty well. Sorry. Sorry, Miss Richie. If you're watching this, I apologize. Anyway, and Miss Herzman and all my English teachers out there. Listen, 
I have so many moments of gratitude every day. I mean, the fact that I get to wake up and I have a, like, and just, I, I get to study the Yemen story and I don't get to live it is a mere moment of gratitude. If that makes sense. Um, there are so many people out there in the world that have it so shitty that have it so much worse than I do. I have such a great fucking life. Like the more I think about it, um, I get to live at home. I have parents that semi want me home, uh, like 80% of the time, maybe less, maybe less. I think a little less, maybe it's like 30% of the time. Um, I have a loving family. I have a mate. I have really good friends. I have just, I, I have a lot of things in that regard that I can't complain about, um, too hard, you know? So like when issues get super in your head and super like narrative based and all of these things, and you start just overthinking, it's just like, take a second and have a moment of gratitude. And I was having like this moment of anxiety and this moment of gratitude at the same time yesterday, because I was in the city and I was just thinking, about all of the things I had to do when I came home. I was like, oh my God, like I have to do this for the pod and like this and homework and I have a presentation the next day and oh my God, fuck, this is so hard. And then at the same time, like I was just having this immense moment of gratitude, like holy shit, San Francisco is beautiful. And I was like staring at the Transamerica building and like two sides of my brain were just eating each other alive. And I was like sitting there like sipping on water, just like looking at the Transamerica building and just like thinking how beautiful the same the city of San Francisco is and how much I want to live there when I grow up or not grow up but maybe in a couple of years uh and I was also just like having so many fucking heart attacks at the same time based on like what I needed to do and just like all the sad shit going on in the world um but I feel like that's the brain of a Gen Z person is just there's 18 million different things happening at the same time and you have to fucking deal with all of it that is what it is. And, uh, and I love it. I love it, but I also hate it in so many ways. So there's just moments of anxiety and moments of gratitude. Uh, I think we all have to have both, but so many things I'm grateful for. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but it's not Thanksgiving. It's not fucking November. Why do we got to do that? Um, content lurkers, dude, I hate you guys. I hate content lurkers, man. And there's so many of you, there's going to be like 45 on this. I guarantee you. Okay. It's the same fucking people they view every single one of my stories every single one of them i kid you not they're always looking they're always lurking they're like clicking on my story consciously knowing that it's fun knowing that they it's something that they like but they never send me any engagement they never comment they never share their thoughts they never do shit all they do is sit there and lurk they lurk they're like uh viewed consumed content i refuse to i refuse to communicate with the creator they don't engage they don't engage I, do, how much do i have to work for your engagement bro how much do i have to work for it there's so many people who just sit there and fucking lurk and i know that they lurk at least like the people you know who view the story once twice whatever like on my instagram cool like i don't really care whatever like you're just inactive on ig that's 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 amazing like i'm cool. That's your life. I have no issue with that, but there are hella motherfuckers who are just in the freaking story viewed section. Every time, every TikTok, every fucking question of the night, everything, there's just nothing. They don't comment on anything, nothing, but they're still lurking. They just lurk. They're fucking lurkers. And I hate lurkers. Just like if you're if you're not gonna like consume the content like effectively, like why don't you just like not click on my story? I mean, I don't know. Okay, listen, like obviously I appreciate the fact that you're viewing. Like DM me privately. I, I feel like I make it very clear. 
I'm like, listen, you can talk to me about anything. You don't have to like sit there and just like you could disagree with me all you want. I just hate the lurkers who just like sit there because it's just like you're such a, like you're just a passive consumer. You're not doing anything. Like I like the people who like like despite the fact that maybe an opinion might be controversial, they share it. Or, you know, despite the fact they may disagree with me, they have the guts to like, I've had so many people like who I haven't talked to for like seven, eight years, like who DM me like, bro, like this is, I disagree with the premise of this question. You're like, I disagree with the premise of your TikTok. And I have like family friends who come at me in my stories, like, bro, like what this TikTok clip made no sense or anything. Like, talk to me. Don't just lurk. The fucking lurkers just hurt my heart, dude. Stop lurking. Stop. Freaking watch my shit, please. You guys lurk way too much, bro. I don't like lurkers. But okay, fan base name real quick. I got to do this fast um, because I got two more topics I want to talk about. And those are like my hot take sections of the day. Um, my new fan base name. Listen, you guys voted. We we had a couple different options on the table. I gave you guys the opportunity to uh, suggest some fan names. I got some really nice ones. The Chun Groovies. The Chungroovies was fucking rad. I love that name. It's like, it's time to get Chungroovy up in here. It's like you're in, in 1985 and like you're DJing the skate rink. Like, down. It's time to get Chungroovy. Down, 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 down. Right? Like, that's hella fun. I like that name a lot. I, I you know, you, you know who suggested that? My boy Kevin. Shout out Kevin. Kevin, you know, Kevin is not a fucking content lurker like the other ones, like the other 98% of you that just will lurk on this TikTok when it comes out. You're going to be like, oh, you're so mean. But you know what Kevin did? He suggested the Chin Groovies. Did you suggest the Chin Groovies? No, the Chin Groovies is a fucking great name. And I'm probably going to use that as a fan base name. But unfortunately, not, I, not a lot of people liked it. There are a lot of people. There was like 20% of the people who were like, ew, like, why do you even want a name for your fan base? Why do you even... Why do you even exist uh, on the Changabi show? Like, why? Why Go away. Like, there was literally 20% of people who were just like, stop. And then, hella people, hella people, the winner. I Because I totaled on both polls. I do polls on my personal Instagram. I do polls on my uh, Changabi show Instagram. Totaled all the polls. And the winner is Chang Gang, baby. Chang Gang. What up, Chang Gang? I love that name. And People since high school have called me that. I just appreciate it. I like it a lot. It's a tie back to the old times, to the past. Um, I, a lot of the people who voted on that were all high school people. And for the most part, um, a little bit of college people too, but a lot of high school people, Chang Gang. I love that name. I've been using it since like I was a sophomore, junior. I use it in some of my blogs too. If you go back and read those as well. Um, it's a lot of fun. I like that name. It's, it's a good time. Um, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Chain Gang. Uh, Chun Goons was one that was suggested by a friend of mine. Um, it's not the best, in my opinion, uh, but he really seemed to like it, and he wanted me to put it in the votes, and we did, and it didn't win, so fuck off. Um, <laughs> now, nah, Chun Goons is good. I, I, Chun Goons Squad. I, that was another name suggested by somebody. Uh, where They took the Chun Goons and just made it Chun Goons Squad. Jackie Changavi's. I, that was another one suggested by that same person. I thought that was pretty good. I was trying to combine something with Alex Morgan's Bays and or Alex Morgan and Anuge. So here's the thing: like me and Alex Morgan would never be a couple because we'd have the worst ship name of all times. It'd be like Annex, Annex. That would be our ship name, Annex. It sounds like Amex. 
the fuck? Like, I, I hate it. It's like, on your Annex credit card, you can use anything. Annex. Annex. Right? Like, it sounds like a fucking half-made Android. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, me and Alex Morgan will never be a couple. But yeah, my, my new fan base name is the Chang Gang. What up, Chang Gang? Y'all are part of the Chang Gang. We're, but I'm going to use everything interchangeably, to be honest. So it'll just be like Chungoons. My Chun Groovies. Chun Groovies. Are you ready to groove? I love it. I love it. I love it. Chun Groovies is like my personal, like, new fucking favorite thing of all time i'm gonna i'm gonna just drop a chung groovies bomb like every here and there every time here and there just to like fucking make people happy uh because that name just makes me happy like are you ready to get chun groovy i love it i love it <laughs> i love it i love it okay anyway i got two more topics to go and then we will get out of here because it is late um I have to go back to this because on I think it was episode 21 of the Changabi show, I kind of talked about how uh, Vlodomir or not Vladimir, that was way recent, but I think on episode 21 of the Changabi show, I talked about heroes and I talked about how history defines a lot of people who have, history is written by people who define heroes and who make storybooks um, and it doesn't work that way. There's oftentimes not a lot of storybook narratives and I I've gone on the record the last couple weeks and said like Zelensky's a hero and all of these things to kind of tie it back to Russia, Ukraine. Um, Vladimir Zelensky, the prime minister of Ukraine, I've, you know, commended him on his leadership and all of these things and really gone uh, after him and all, uh, or really just like gone and applauded him and gone behind his back. So I've done a little bit, I've done a lot of self-reflecting the last four days. Uh, I haven't really consumed a lot of Russia, Ukraine content. Uh, I've consumed you know, my fair amount. I have the people that I have my sources uh, and I go to those, but I'm also like, you know, constantly uh, I'm not constantly checking like I was before. Uh, but here's the thing, bro. I took a step back for a second. I took a step back. I was reading a lot of American media coverage, a lot of American media coverage about the situation in Ukraine. And the more and more I was reading, the more and more I realized something. I was like, oh my God. We're seeing the same shit that was happening with Martin Luther King happen with Vladimir Zelensky in real time. I was like, oh, oh, I, oh, I fell for it. I fell for it. I fell for it. I low-key did. I low-key did. Listen, I let me let me give you my full nuanced opinion. I think Zelensky is fantastic. I think his leadership throughout this whole situation has been really, really good. Here's where I kind of defer. I think a lot of what's going on with Vladimir Zelensky is super exaggerated. I think it's super exaggerated. And I think here's why. There are a lot of quotes that Zelensky has said uh, that have gone viral, obviously. The uh, the one being, the one quote being like, oh, I don't need ammunition. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. So that turns out, I was doing some research. A lot of fact checkers have said that quote basically was embellished by an American translator who kind of fudged up the words to make it look uh, a lot more hot takey and headliney to, to get more clicks on their headline uh, and to get more clicks on headlines and all of that stuff. So apparently Zelensky didn't say anything. Uh, he said something along those lines, but not in quite the uh, punct punctual kind of uh, straightforward fashion that it was made to believe that he said it. Uh, Zelensky has also, and the Ukraine, you also have to think about where Vladimir Zelensky is coming from, right? He's literally in a situation where his whole entire country is being invaded. There's like no hope for his countrymen and for his people. 
and you're sitting here and he's sitting there and he has no option but to just act as desperate as possible because he's like yo listen my life is in danger all of these things and like yes Zelensky's life to an extent is in danger but the American media seems makes it seem like he's trying to be assassinated every other fucking day of the week like I'm like bro listen I love you Vladimir but I don't necessarily think that his like there was a video of his officials just going out in the middle of key in, cent, in the middle of central Kiev, like grabbing coffee from the coffee shop. And there was like they like IG lived it. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't necessarily believe that Vladimir Putin wants to take out Zelensky just yet, because I think he because I just don't, I don't think so. And I think the American media is making it seem like Zelensky is target numero uno and like everything that he does is like just anti like this, that and the other. I think there's some over exaggerated headlines in here is my point. I don't necessarily think it's the straightforward thing of like Vladimir Zelensky is this ultimate hero and like we need to just be his fucking martyr and all of these things. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He's a good guy. Vladimir Zelensky seems seemingly by all accounts is a good dude, but a lot of the headlines that are coming out of the United States of America, we need to watch out because they're painting this guy to be like a martyr. Uh, and in reality, you have to think about where Zelensky is coming from when he's saying a lot of what he's saying, because he is trying to get the Western powers to help him. And he's willing to say whatever he's willing to do, whatever it takes to get them on his side and so he's using the western media that's why he's on press tours constantly he's on cnn abc news every single news outlet just trying to get the attention of western powers and i i really do believe that the american media is trying to portray Zelensky as this hero within the storybook of the russia ukraine invasion and i'm not saying vladimir putin is vladimir putin i believe in this case is obviously the obvious villain but i don't think vladimir Zelensky is the number one hero martyr individual i think like yes he's an amazing like he's done amazing things with his leadership but also it's good like it's good to critically think about what the media is saying and what the message is and where it's coming from and the sentiment of it rather than just blindly follow it because i was for a long time just being like oh new york times this that and the other and i sit here and i acknowledge that mistake but here's the thing i'm not saying vladimir Zelensky isn't a hero i'm sure he is um but we shouldn't just we should think about where the media is coming from we should think about why he's saying the things he's saying we should think about why we should also think about the fact that American translators are using the fact that Zelensky's English isn't great and that he says a lot of his speeches in Ukrainian and Russian and they're basically American translators are fudging up the, the lines that he's saying to make them sound more perfunct and more uh, headliney and clickbaity. And that's what it's come down to. That's what it's coming down to. American media isn't necessarily on the side of the consumer here. They're on the side of, oh, what's going to get us clicks? Ooh, what's going to make us relevant? Ooh, what's going to make us money? That's what media comes down to. It's all money at the end of the day. They don't give a shit. That's why they don't report on Yemen, which is what I'm going to talk about next week. I don't want to give too much away. They don't report on fucking Yemen. They don't give a fuck about Ethiopia. Do you know who Nadia Murad is? Do you know? Sorry. My Wi-Fi is fucked for like randomly. Do you know who Nadia Murad is? Nadia Murad won a freaking Nobel Peace Prize. No one knows who the fuck she is. <laughs> And she's gone through a lot. She's gone through a fuck ton. And I don't want to like reveal necessarily all of that because there's going to be a show one day where I talk all about Nadia Murad because she's a true hero. In my opinion. In my humble opinion. 
Okay. I got one more topic to talk about, and then we're going to get out of here. I think Barack Obama is tremendously overrated. Yep, I said it. I said it, liberals. Barack Obama is completely overrated. Why is Barack Obama overrated? Well, on the countless amounts of policy decisions that I could go through, here's the elephant in the room with Barack Obama. Okay, let's be honest. What does Barack Obama have that other the other 55 presidents of the United States don't? He's black. He's black. Ladies and gentlemen, Barack Obama is one of the most overrated presidents in the United States, and he was one of the most fairly covered presidents in the United States because of the fact that he's black. I genuinely believe that there was some sort of racial bias there in terms of his president, in terms of the way that Americans view his presidency. I really do believe that. Barack Obama is cool in pop culture. Why? Because he's black. What is pop culture dominated by? African Americans. But that's not even besides that, besides the point. Why is Barack Obama cool? Because young people like him, because he's hip, because he's cool, because uh, because there's an elephant in the room there, guys. There's an elephant in the freaking room because, unfortunately, like I think Barack Obama is as well liked as he is because the media covered him extremely fairly due to the fact that he was black and the media didn't want to necessarily get super crushed by it. I think Obama in my opinion, and this is a really pretty uneducated take because I haven't done very much research into it, but in my initial kind of brain processes, I really do believe that Barack Obama is an incredibly overrated president. I think he didn't really do anything that he said he was going to do. He didn't cause the sweeping change that everyone expected that he was going to cause. Uh, he was a representative. He represented the idea of change. He represented the idea of hope. He spoke beautifully. He's an incredible orator. Best, one of the best public speakers of our time. I will always say that Barack Obama is up there. He's he's a great orator, and that helps his case with the public because you know you can if you say things beautifully and you're able to deliver things in a nice art form, people are like, oh my god, he knows what he's talking about, right? I'm not the best orator. So people look at me and they're like, you're in your mom's basement and you just deserve to die. And I'm like, okay, cool. But, but like people look at Barack Obama and he says that same thing to me. He'd be like, you know, Anuge, I firmly believe according to the American people that we can structure a way around your demise to make sure that you live in the basement that was built by the forefathers of your mother. Right. They basically said the same thing, just in like old English. I'm a master. No, but I, I listen, I, I genuinely do believe that uh, to a certain extent that Barack Obama is overrated and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. I want to make that very clear. I'm not trying to be racist or anything. OK, so don't try to cancel me. But I think being being African, being the first African-American president did give him some sort of leeway in a lot of ways. It gave him a card of like, yo, like, you know, he, he crossed an identity border like. We can, we can, uh, we can give him a pass on a lot of things. Uh, listen, Obama did good. He did some good things. He did some bad things. But at the same time, like troops still remaining in Iraq and Afghanistan. Financial crisis wise, did any legislation really get done? <sighs> Debatable. The Affordable Care Act was a moderate success at best a failure at worst. I mean, depending on what political party you're in, you can look at it like that. He did kill bin Laden. That's there. But I think overall, like Barack Obama was like a middle tier president and he got two terms. I mean, because he was seen as cool by young people because, you know, uh, 
it's he was seen as cool by like young millennials who were like, Oh my God, Barack Obama, like he's the woke candidate. Like we should all vote for him. And why did people want to vote for him for a lot of large? Why did a large majority of people want to vote for Barack Obama? Because I mean, America is trending to become a more majority, a, a more minority majority country. And also Barack Obama is a minority and that helped his case. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Listen, take with that what you will. But I, I really do have that uh, belief in, in my heart. And I, I think to a certain extent that Barack Obama was overrated because of his race uh, and isn't really looked at for the policies that actually happened and for the politics that he actually put into place. I'm not saying I hate Barack Obama. He seems like a really good dude at heart. Um, but I can't, you know, obviously can't make that judgment because I've never met him. But it's good to question it. It's good to question the fact that like how much do you think that race plays a role in the way that we view specific politicians? AOC being one of them, Barack Obama, the big names. I'm talking about specifically the big names because there are a lot of Republican and progressive senators and liberal senators that we don't know uh, and can't name off the top of our heads because, you know, they just work in the Senate and they're just kind of there. But we don't really know what they do. Um, but Barack Obama, I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. But that's the end of my show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you that stayed here till the very end. If you guys like the after show, feel free to hit the like button. If you are on YouTube, hit the subscribe button as well. Make sure to follow me on TikTok, Instagram, at the Changavi Show everywhere, even on even on Twitter, uh, even though I don't really post there that often. But if you guys enjoyed the content, feel free to hit the follow button on all the socials, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, hit the follow button on Spotify. Feel free if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave me that five-star review. Five Cinco stars, Cinco Estrellas only. Um, but that's it. Thank you guys so much. appreciate all of you. I'm very tired, so I'm going to go to bed. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. So I hope you don't take my talks. <laughs> I hope you don't take my rants uh, that seriously. But the Obama thing is just, you know, I'm just thinking about that. And I was trying to really just show you guys like what I was thinking about in my head. But this is Anuj Chingavi signing off from the Bay Area. Niners and the Warriors both repping. Signing off from the Bay from the parents' house saying goodnight. Chingavi show, thir- Chingavi show, after show 13 in the books. All right. Peace.